We live in a world where we're surrounded by negativity. All you have to do is look at the news. There's negativity about politics, about jobs, about finances, terrorism, about the climate. And this isn't just a a British problem. Uh, A few years ago in America, the Atlantic magazine published the results of a survey under the title, Americans are no longer optimistic, Uh, particularly after 9-11, a nation once associated with a positive outlook on life is losing its enthusiasm. Uh, But the negativity is not just out there in the world. Uh, There's also much that could discourage us as Christians. We live in a culture where it's becoming uh, increasingly difficult to be a Christian. Uh, Christian morality is more and more seen uh, as harmful rather than healthy, uh, as dangerous even. Uh, People who take the Bible seriously are lumped in with Islamic fundamentalists. And even aside from all that, we, we have our own issues to deal with. The Christian life is hard. It's a struggle uh, to, to keep going at times and not just uh, give up and stop fighting sin and stop taking a stand as different. Uh, it can be a struggle at times simply to put one foot in front of the other in the marathon that is the Christian life. If the Christian life was was a sprint, uh, there would be many, many more who would make it to the end. But instead, it is a marathon. And uh, in a a physical marathon, people talk about hitting the wall, uh, maybe mile 20, mile 21. Uh, Maybe it comes earlier. Uh, but, but physically, people who run marathons know what it is to hit a wall. And, and that can be our experience in the Christian life as well. And so it's important to realise that the Bible says a lot about encouragement. It's something that we can easily ignore. Uh, but if we're going to take the Bible seriously, we need to take the commands to encourage one another seriously. Discouragement has a huge potential for damage, uh, whereas encouragement has a huge potential for good. Often what we see of one another on a Sunday is like the top part of an iceberg. Uh, People seem fine, but we don't realise the huge amount that they may have going on under the surface. The the huge amount that they are dealing with. Uh, And all it can take to, to crush them or to sink them is one little comment. Uh, One little comment and they can feel that they're being dragged under by the darkness. Uh, Whether they they hear that directly or it's passed on to them. And yet on the flip side, all it can take is a word of encouragement to lift them up. uh, And they can feed off that word of encouragement for weeks. So this is an important topic And we have three points this morning. We're going to see firstly that the Bible calls us to be people who encourage one another. The Bible calls us to be people who encourage one another. If someone close to you was asked whether you're an 
encouraging or a discouraging person to be around, what would they say? Well, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and that person couldn't say that you're an encouraging person to be around, does that not mean that there's something wrong? Because the Bible says that we are to encourage one another. That means that we're to be the sort of people uh, that if people are in our presence, more often than not, they're to be going away encouraged rather than discouraged. Uh, we had that command twice in the passage we read earlier uh, at the end of, of both sections verse 18 therefore encourage one another with these words uh, and then chapter 5 verse 11 therefore encourage one another up uh, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing uh, uh, and so that's uh, that's significant as well uh, as Paul writes to a congregation where, where he knows the people are encouraging one another and building one another up. So he's not saying uh, start doing this, uh, but he's saying keep on doing it. Uh, so, uh, so even if uh, this is something uh, that 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 isn't new to us, uh, we're still to be called to keep on doing it. Uh, the same command occurs twice in the book of Hebrews. Uh, the references are on your sheet. We're told to encourage one another every day, as long as it is called today. And then later on we read it, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So uh, on four different occasions in Scripture, God directly commands us to encourage one another. But in fact, the Bible talks about encouragement a lot more than just four times. Uh, the New Testament uses a couple of different words for encouragement. Uh, the main word, which can also be translated as comfort or exhort, occurs over 100 times. And if you, you were to add all the words for encouragement together, they occur almost 200 times in the New Testament. The Bible has a lot to say about encouragement. It, it was written to, to Christians who were really, really struggling, who were really up against it from the world. They were dealing with false teaching in the church as well. Uh, and so encouragement was, was really, really important for the New Testament church. Uh, and it should be for us as well. We read about encouragement a lot in the book of Acts. Uh, there's someone in the book of Acts called Joseph. Uh, but we mightn't recognize the name Joseph so much as the name Barnabas. Because that's the, the nickname he gets from the apostles. And it means son of encouragement. Isn't that a great nickname? I wonder, uh, is that the sort of nickname that you or I are likely to be given? Are you a son or daughter of encouragement? Are you usually negative about life or down on other people? Or are you an encourager? David Murray is a Scottish minister. He's in America now. He, he wrote a book a few years ago called The Happy Christian. Uh, and in it he describes the Bible as the most positive book in the world. Uh, but his fear is that we're not good at communicating that positivity. Uh, 
He asks if someone who had never encountered Christianity before wandered into your church or your home, what would be the greatest impression made upon them? Uh, Would they describe it with a positive or a negative symbol? Uh, so so th- think about someone coming in, perhaps they, they come along to, to the Bible study for the first time. Um, do you take opportunities, if you're able to, to be there and to encourage others with your presence? And, and if you are there, are the things that you say likely to encourage others in their faith or discourage them? Or what about conversations uh, had with people after church? Are they they going to leave people going away encouraged? It's hard enough to be a Christian in Scotland in 2023 without us discouraging one another. And so the Bible calls us again and again to encourage one another. And it gives us the example of uh, those like Barnabas uh, and other apostles who were great encouragers. Now I thought that encouraging someone doesn't mean never saying hard things to them. Uh, We use the word encourage a number of different ways today and the Bible does the same. Uh, So you can encourage someone in, in terms of comforting them. If someone has had a a rough week or heard bad news, you can encourage them by saying something that will comfort them. Uh, That's the sense in which encourage is used in 1 Thessalonians 4.18. Paul tells people to encourage or comfort those who've lost loved ones. But the word encourage can also be used in the sense of exhorting someone or encouraging them to do something. Uh, For example, someone today might say, I encourage you to think about the consequences of what you're going to do. Uh, There's a a place in in 1 Peter, uh, the references on your sheet where Peter says, Beloved, I urge you to abstain from the passions of the flesh. And that word urge there is the same word translated encourage here. Elsewhere, it's translated as implore, uh, appeal, or even beg. So to encourage someone doesn't mean you never challenge them or or you never say hard things to them. Uh, But as 1 Thessalonians 5.11 here says, uh, the purpose of encouraging someone is to build them up. Uh, Boys and girls, what's the opposite of, of building a house? Uh, The opposite of building a house is knocking it down, tearing it down. Uh, And so we are to, uh, as Christians, build one another up rather than tear one another down. Uh, And so even if we have to say hard things to our fellow Christians, it should be aimed at their spiritual good. so if you do uh, have to say something uh, hard to a fellow Christian, keep that goal in mind. The goal that they would be built up in the faith. But perhaps uh, just as we finish this first point, there's someone here this morning. And this whole concept of encouraging or exhorting a fellow Christian to keep going in the Christian life is completely foreign to you. If so, Could it be that you're not someone who the New Testament would recognise as a Christian? 
Our culture might recognize you as a Christian because you go to church or you, you subscribe to a certain set of beliefs. But have you experienced the forgiveness of your sins? Is Jesus someone who you know or just someone you've heard about? Well, so your biggest need today isn't to try and, and somehow encourage uh, people and put these commands into practice because they don't apply to you yet. You, you're not yet part of the, the one another's of Scripture. Uh, but your biggest need is to pray and say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I was born a sinner. I commit sins every day. Please uh, forgive me for them and help me turn from them and live for you. Uh, that was the, the encouragement, the exhortation that the prophet Nathan gave to David to turn from his sins. And that's one that we need to hear as well. And if you're not yet a Christian today, if you do that, if you turn to Jesus, then you'll be ready to start living out the one another commands, to start uh, living out these relationships that scripture speaks about. So firstly, this morning, the Bible calls us to be people who encourage one another. But then secondly, the Bible gives us reasons to encourage one another. Uh, the Bible gives us reasons to encourage one another. It's easy to encourage someone if they're running a, a marathon. You can say, you're doing well, uh, not long left to go. Or you can encourage someone who's doing exams. Uh, you can say, just keep at it for, for another few days and, and you'll be finished. You, you've done the work, it'll be worth it, just keep going. But if we don't know the future, how can we encourage people to keep going? If someone gets sick, uh, we can't go and say to them, well, I've got a word from the Lord that you're, you're definitely going to get better. Some, some Christians do that sort of thing. It's very dangerous because we don't know. If someone loses their job, uh, we don't know uh, how long or, or, or if even they'll be able to get another one. And so if someone's not a Christian in those situations, there's not actually much that we can say to encourage them. We can express hopes, we can, we can tell them uh, what, what we hope for them, but we can't uh, say things for certain. But with this command about encouraging one another, about encouraging our fellow Christians, uh, we do know things for certain. We do know the future. Not, not their individual uh, future in this life, of course, but, but we can be sure about the one thing that really matters. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul says that one of the reasons he's writing is so that these believers won't grieve as others do who have no hope. And at the end of the paragraph, he says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Then in chapter 5, verse 8, he talks about the hope of salvation. And again, he finishes the section by saying, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. So what's the reason that we can encourage one another as Christians? Well, it's because of the hope that we have for the future. We can encourage one another as Christians because of the sure and certain hope we have about the future. And we need to understand right away that the hope that the Bible talks about isn't something that might happen. It's not a call for positive thinking that has no basis in reality. 
It's not a vague hope for better days ahead. It's not like the hope the boys and girls might have, maybe some of the rest of us, that that we would have snow this year. Uh, We might hope for it. We're not sure if we'll get it. But but biblical hope is different. Uh, One definition uh, of the, the biblical sense of hope is looking forward to something with reason for confidence, respecting its fulfillment. I think that's on the handout too. Looking forward to something with reason for confidence, respecting its fulfillment. The hope of the Bible is not hope for a life where everything will go smoothly here and now. We have no guarantees of that. The person who wrote the words on the page in front of us was beheaded for his faith in the end. Uh, Nearly all the the apostles in the book of Acts who we read about going around and encouraging others to keep going were themselves martyred for the faith. Uh, Some of those that they encouraged were also martyred for their faith. But the Bible's hope is that death is not the end. We may be very unsure what the future holds for Scotland or what the UK will look like in 10, 30, 50 years' time. We're not sure what will happen to us next week, next month or next year, whether we'll all even reach 2024. But the the long-term forecast for the believer is absolutely clear. The the short-term forecast is uncertain uh, there may be stormy waters ahead but now now the long-term forecast and the long-term forecast is bright skies ahead for the believer we can know that for sure that when we or our, our fellow believers pass from this earth that death will not be the end uh, that we and they will go immediately into the presence of god Why can we be certain of that? What's that hope based on? Is it based on how we have lived? Is it based on how they have lived? Not at all. But it's based on how Jesus has lived and how he has died. Verse 14 of chapter 4. Because Jesus died and rose again, we can be sure that those who die trusting in him will rise again. Uh, Chapter 5 verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation Through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can encourage other Christians and they can encourage you. That whatever happens in this short time that we are on earth. And it is a short time. uh, Maybe some of you are, are increasingly feeling the shortness of your time on earth. It is a short time. But whatever happens in this short time. Our eternal future is certain. In the words of verse 17, uh, uh, we will always be with the Lord. Uh, Verse 17 of chapter 4. And whatever happens us in this life, nothing can take that away from us. We have a, a, a certain future that nothing can take from us. So we have solid reasons uh, to encourage one another in the sense of comforting one another because of what lies ahead. But what about the other sense of encouraging one another? What reasons do we have to exhort one another? What reasons do we have to urge each other to to stop living one way and start living another? 
to give up sinful practices and follow Jesus with greater commitment. Well, again, it's about what's coming. Again, it's because of what's ahead. Uh, the book of Hebrews uh, says, chapter ten twenty-five, that we're to encourage one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. What day? The day when we see Jesus face to face. The day when we set foot in the new heavens and the new earth. And if that day is coming soon, uh, why would we want to play around with sin? Think about someone who's always wanted to go to New York. And uh, this summer, they're planning to go there for the first time. Uh, But as they're driving to Glasgow Airport, they they spot uh, a stall at the side of the road that is selling uh, fake New York Yankees baseball caps. And they're pushed for time, they're cutting it fine, but they think, oh, wouldn't it be great to have a a New York cap? Uh, And so they stop, they they park the car, they they try and decide what cap they want, they they queue up, they they haggle over the price, and all the while they're getting more and more in danger of missing their flight. And, And if you were with them, surely you would say, what are you doing? You're going to be in New York in a few hours. Uh, there you can get whatever cap you want Uh, why waste time and money on a fake imitation here which will fade the first time that it rains and in the same way when we see our fellow christians playing around with sin here and now or or dawdling on the way to heaven we should be saying what are you doing why are you seeking cheap pleasures here on earth when you can have the real thing why are you wasting your energy now Uh, why are you risking missing out on the place you're meant to be going to hebrews 3 13 says exhort one another every day Why? Well, the next verse says, For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Uh, Someone who is going to heaven will keep going in the Christian life until the end. It's not enough to make a commitment to Christ at one time in your life and then drop off. Uh, many start a marathon uh, many do not finish if you're a true christian you will keep going to the end and and god is the one who will keep you going it doesn't depend on your uh, stubbornness or or your willpower Uh, and yet by his grace you will keep going and so if we see people beginning to slacken off in their commitment, we should be concerned if they don't seem as keen as they were five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And we should exhort them and say, if you want to make it over the line, you can't stop. You must keep going. So the Bible gives us reasons to encourage one another. And those reasons are because of what lies ahead. But then thirdly and finally, how to encourage one another. How to encourage one another. If you've been convicted today of your need to uh, do more in the way of encouraging, comforting and exhorting your fellow Christians, where do you start? When someone receives bad news, how can you comfort them? Or when someone is heading in a direction that you think will uh, spiritually harm them, how can you approach that situation 
Well, we find the answer in verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians 4. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. When we attempt to comfort a fellow believer, it shouldn't be with the the vague hope that things will work out okay in the end or that it mightn't be as bad as they think. But instead, we should encourage them with the rock-solid realities of God's Word. Now, that doesn't mean we just quote Bible verses at them, but what you say should be shaped by the Bible. It should be the hope and challenge of God's word that you seek to bring into their life. Not empty platitudes or human wisdom. Including human wisdom that we might think is biblical because we've heard, uh, we've heard a Christian say it and repeat it. Uh, we're not all powerful. We don't know the future We don't know the specific reasons why uh, this hard situation has come into someone's life. Uh, We should be very careful about telling them, well, maybe God has brought it into your life because of this. Maybe God is telling you this. We don't know. Uh, We can't read providence in our own lives. We're not called to. We're not called to read providence in someone else's life. But but we can point them to the one who is all-powerful and the one who does know the reason. Or if someone is doing something which you think is unwise and will be unhelpful for themselves and others. Again, remember that we're to exhort and encourage one another with these words. It's not about our own personal preferences, uh, but about what God's word says. Here's chapter and verse why you should not be doing this. So encouragement is to spring from God's word. Uh, But there's more to that because encouragement is to come through God's people. Encouragement is to come through God's people. 1 Thessalonians 4 contains comforting words. Uh, But Paul doesn't just write the chapter and say, job done. Uh, They can go away and read this letter and be encouraged. Rather, he writes the letter And then says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Do you see what he's doing there? Even though Paul is writing the very words of God, in a sense, that isn't enough. Just having the words on the page isn't enough. Because we must take God's word and apply them personally to those who need them. And the context where this encouragement is done is one of relationship. In fact, the word encourage originally meant to call someone alongside. Uh, Hebrews 3.13, exhort one another every day. Uh, So coming alongside uh, one another, having daily contact. Uh, It envisages a situation where, where church members have close relationships with each other and are seeing each other a lot. Hebrews 10.25 talks about not neglecting to meet together but encouraging one another. Uh, and so again there encouraging one another is, is associated with meeting together. Uh, we read in Acts 14 that Paul and Barnabas, the son of encouragement, returned to the cities where they had already seen converts and strengthened the souls of the disciples. 
In Acts 20 we read uh, that Paul encouraged the disciples in Ephesus, then departed from Macedonia where he gave the people there much encouragement as well. So again and again, encouragement, comfort, exhortation is associated with physically being with people. So how to encourage one another? You must know God's word, but then you must also personally bring it into someone's life. There is no substitute for having a real relationship with them. And this works both ways. Uh, Someone might say, well, I haven't received much encouragement or comfort or exhortation from other Christians. But are you open to their involvement in your life? Are you receptive to attempts by other Christians to build relationships with you? If your fellow Christians are are trying to get involved in your life by speaking to you or inviting you round for a meal or so on, is your attitude one of of opening the door to that or, or is your attitude more of closing it and shutting it down? If there are no uh, real opportunities in your life for Christians to speak God's word into your life, uh, then that's very different from the sort of life that Christians lived in the New Testament. So how can you change that? We'll start by taking the opportunities that are already available. Even today, don't just rush on after church, but talk to people. Find out what's going on in their life and share what's going on in yours. We'll not be able to encourage each other very well if we don't know what we're facing. Come along to the Bible study if you can, where we sit around with our Bibles open and try in a simple way to put some of these commands into practice. Come along to the evening service Uh, stay around for some food and a chance to chat together that in itself will be an encouragement to those who are there even being their physical presence is one way to fulfill this command without saying a word your presence is an encouragement to your fellow believers don't underestimate that and your absence is a discouragement don't underestimate that either you are part of a body and your actions do affect the rest of the body you might say well my presence or absence shouldn't encourage or discourage anyone else it shouldn't affect anyone else but that is the way bodies work Uh, We can't but be affected by the other parts. And and remember, uh, as we draw things to a close, that this command to encourage one another, it's not given to a special group of Christians. It's something we're all called to do. We all need both to, to give encouragement and receive it from others. Each week that goes by, we're getting closer and closer to our final destination. We need to make sure we don't get distracted ourselves uh, and we need to encourage one another to keep going. So the Bible calls us to be people who encourage one another. And surely that includes being sensitive to when people are facing particular circumstances that, that may be discouraging them. If we want to be people who take the Bible seriously, to be a church that is spiritually strong, we cannot ignore the one another commands of Scripture. 
some people maybe think of uh, the, 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 the test of a Bible-believing church is their position on, on marriage or sexuality or whatever. And that, that's certainly a test. Uh, but these one another commands are, are equally part of Scripture. The Bible gives us reasons to encourage one another. Whatever happens in this life, we have a sure and certain hope about the future. And then uh, we saw at the end how to encourage one another from God's words, from God's word and in the context of personal relationships. One day soon we will see Jesus. Until that day, he calls us to encourage one another to keep going. Amen. Well, let's sing as we close a psalm which speaks of encouragement. Psalm 27, verses 12 to the end. Psalm 27, 12 to the end, starting in page 50. It's a psalm which speaks about potential discouragement all around. Uh, verse 14 speaks of foes, speaks of slanderers, speaks of those bre- breathing out cruelty against him. But verse 16, O oh, wait upon the Lord, I say, yes, let your strength be great and let your heart encourage be upon the Lord, O oh, wait. But this is not an encouragement separated from fellowship with God's people. Verse 15 speaks about seeing God's goodness in the land of the living. Uh, Back up in verse 4, the writer says, One thing I of the Lord have asked and will seek to obtain that all days of my life uh, I in the Lord's house may remain. And, And even verse 12, though both my parents me forsake, the Lord will me receive. Well, the Lord will. Uh, And one of the ways that he does that is by giving us a church family. Uh, So Psalm 27, Psalm 27, verses 12 to the end. If you're able, we'll stand as we sing.